Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Mark Reardon Show. We call my plan Bidenomics. Guess what? It's working. Uh, I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration, it can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. I do not hate anyone. So I say this gently. The Biden administration sucks. This is the Mark Reardon Show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana for starting the show off in that way this afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Thursday edition of the show. Sue Thomas making herself comfortable here this afternoon. Hi. Down a troop member, though, aren't we? Yeah, we're down. Fred, it's his big, I I keep wanting to say inauguration day. Induction. But it's induction. St. Louis Media Hall of Fame induction tonight, so he took the day off. Now, I have to tell you this because, um, Fred, here's one of the issues. He's probably listening right now, but he knows this. I, believe it or not, Sue, I really do genuinely try to take some workload off of Fred in certain ways because he's really responsible for pulling a lot of the audio and he books the guests. He does a lot. Plus, he has all the responsibilities around there. So, but he loves to to work, and there's certain things that I can't change. But he also, and this is part of his job as executive producer of the show, he worries about the host saying stupid things and getting himself into trouble. Yes, he does. Which could basically mean that the host would be unemployed, which means maybe Fred would be unemployed, and maybe you're unemployed. I mean, yeah. I don't want to drag the whole yeah. show well, down. But you're dragging thing. us all right. that. So there was something that happened today that I that I because. I, I even kind of, I didn't yell at him. I said, look, we, we Abby can handle this stuff. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to be. I'm like, okay. So I was texting him about a particular issue today. I can't say what it was. And I was going to talk about this. And there was some sensitivity to this particular issue. I'm not going to say any more. Right. And I just could sense Fred because his tone was very stern in the email. Okay. I just want to remind you that, and, and so I called him and I said, look, I just want to ease your mind on Hall of Fame induction day. I'm not even going to bring this up. Well, I kind of brought it up, but I'm not going to mention anything about the good, topic, good. right? And uh, that's good that he's I think still that helped. doing that. I do think that helped. Hey, did you know this is frightening to me, Sue? But I'm going to toss it out there. Some of the listeners are aware of this, and I don't even know how to move forward or handle this. Did you know that Jane Duker was on Brian Kilmeade's radio show this morning? Excuse me. Exactly. What? I, I started getting text messages from some people. Some friends, hey, Jane is on Kill Me. And I'm like, wait, what? The, Jane Duker? What for, what? for what? Police stuff? Yes, but Sue, you know Jane. I do. This is not a good thing because the ego is oh, going to be, I mean, can you? she's gone national now she's, for, yeah. to, to a certain extent. It's going to be fine. And I said, you know, here was my assumption, too. I'm like, well, Fred must have hooked this up. So I texted Fred. Nope. Trisha must have hooked this, hooked this up. Nope. Well, apparently what happened was, you know, when Brian was here in yeah. December, he um he met Jane. Jane, they met for the first yeah. time. She was in here that afternoon yeah. when he came in. 
And I don't know. I would I would always assume that Jane Duker makes a really poor impression upon most people, but apparently <laughs> no, she made doesn't. a good impression. I don't know how that happened. And then the I forget his she producer's probably name. gave her, her him her card. The or producer, right. the pro- yeah. his producer. Yeah. I can't remember her name. I I'm can't terrible, either. But, but she, she does great. great job. So they reached out, and yeah, they talked about the Cory Bush situation and some wow, of the policing. That's great. Right. I, I thought it was great too. Now, coincidentally, uh, this wasn't just set up because of what happened this morning. She was already set up for this show. I mean, this is small potatoes well, now. Well, sure. For her. Sure. But we are going to talk about some things related to the police numbers, which I think are pretty important. We'll do that later this hour. We have Missouri Congressman Jason Smith here. He's under some criticism on this um, child tax credit bill that he pushed through in a bipartisan way. But there are Republicans that are criticizing. Now, interestingly enough, these are for the most part, Republicans that are anonymous. So they're, you know, in the ear of Axios and some of the other reporters. Jason is the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. The House Ways and Means Committee, probably the most powerful committee on Capitol Hill. It's the tax writing committee. A lot of legislation has to go through there. Uh, He won that race. He was a McCarthy ally, and he won the race for the chairmanship of that committee in a very narrow, narrow way. It was just a couple of different votes. And now he's kind of being accused of not negotiating in good faith with fellow Republicans on this tax deal, maybe being and a little, too, a little too generous with the Democrats and also spending too much money. So we'll get into all of that because there's some heavy criticism. Wall Street Journal wrote an editorial a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned some of the Axios reporting. So we'll get Jason on here at 325 or so. Then, Jane, we have uh, – I started watching this today because I knew we were going to talk about it, and it was fantastic. Now, I'm not – I think you would like this even more than me. I've said this before. Any good show or any good documentary, Sue, you don't really have to know the subject matter very well. Oh, heck no. So, if it's good, it's absorbing. Exactly. So in in um, along those lines, there's a new series on Netflix that came out a short time ago called NASCAR Full Speed. It's the yeah. same. They do full swing. They've done mm-hmm. a tennis documentary, soccer, same producers. They do a great job. So they went out. They followed Denny Hamlin oh, and Bubba so nice. Wallace and all these people. You know what? He, I don't think nice is the word Denny with Denny Hamlin, Hamlin but I just... love that guy. He's yeah. my new hero, because, but he's not really nice, and that's the thing about this. He's <laughs> himself, which is what I love. Oh, that's a good point. So I sat down. No, it's pretty—the thing about these documentaries, too, they're very raw. You know, they mic these guys up, and they, they just kind of do their thing. I never got the impression that Denny Hamlin was affected at all by a microphone being no, on him. He just, no. he just And I have great appreciation for that, because that's sort of how I well, live yes. my life, for better or for worse. So Kenny—and I feel terrible about this— to a certain extent because he's a friend and I don't want to bother him on vacation, but he's he's down in Cabo. His his brother, Rusty, has got an amazing resort down there that yeah. he owns. So Kenny sent me a bunch of pictures today, sunning down there. We're going to bother him for like 15 minutes in the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up a little bit later, Carrie Sheffield with the Independent Women's Voice. You know, Leah Thomas is making a run to be in the Olympics. Are you kidding I me? am not kidding you. So uh, that and also former say Senator Jeff Smith coming up just a little bit later as well. Of course, we have a roundtable tomorrow. The aforementioned Ms. Duker will be here. Jeff Rainford back on the panel. He's been sunning himself down in Florida this winter, so we got him back for a little bit. Republican consultant Greg Keller as well. Let me get into um, one thing here from the start, and this is television-related as well. Sue, I've mentioned this a couple of times, and I have this amazing example, and unfortunately the audio is not the um, best quality, but I'm going to play it anyway because I think we're just going to play it once and you'll get the feel of this. I've been re-watching The West Wing. You've heard me talk about this, right? The show started in 1999, and it features Martin Sheen as uh, Jebediah, Jebediah, Jedediah. Who? Jed Bartlett. How do you say Jed? Like, I, I don't know. He, I don't know who that is. So, I well, can't he's the president. Help. I'm just well, saying that on, that's the character's name. But Jedi, is it Jedediah, Jedi, right? I, yeah. Okay, let's just go with that. He plays the president. He's a Democrat president. This is basically in the uh, 
you know, the show started when Bill Clinton was in his last year in the See, White House. I so did not watch this show, so I'm not sure you if really it's really never Jedediah. watched it. No, no. I, I think it is. But it, really, how did you miss that show? It was eh. one of the biggest things on on NBC. I don't know. Okay, well, let me did. let me just do the setup for people, and I'm going to okay. bring it full circle, circle here for 2024. Martin Sheen plays a Democrat president. You got Rob Lowe in there, right? Um, you know, Allison Janney. Allison Janney fabulous. is fantastic. She plays CJ. The uh, the press secretary. And then there's who plays Josh Lyman. I forget the actor's name. Josh from Lyman Wisconsin. is Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Yes. Very, and then Toby Maguire. Who's Toby? Toby Maguire. Toby Ziegler is Richard Schiff. That's it. To- yeah. Not Toby Maguire. Toby Z- <laughs> yes. Richard Schiff. Another. So then there's also Moira Kelly. I always remember Moira Kelly from that ice uh, skating movie. Do you remember that? Oh, I kind of do. On the Edge, I think it was called. Kind of a cute little romantic comedy. So Moira Kelly plays this um, kind of abrasive character who is a White House advisor, and she's not afraid to speak her mind. Now, the reason I bring this up is because it is incredible to me, and our boss, Steve Moore, sort of guided me into this. It's incredible to me how much is relevant from this show. It's also incredible to me, and I'm not even making this up, there are lines that pop from Aaron Sorkin, who was the creator, and he wrote this. So He's, he's got brilliant. And we've gotten to know him. That was kind of the first time we really got to know him. He had been working before that. But he um, he has a distinct writing style. And the reality of how Washington works, I think, is relatively well represented, Oh, considering it's an NBC television By show. By the way, right? it's Josiah. That's it. That Josiah. Guy. I'm here. I'm here for you. Thank you. Yes. Je- Jedediah didn't sound no. right anyway. Is but that even a name? Did Jed. I make that name up? They no. do, right? That's a biblical name, I think, okay. or, or something I think I've heard. Anyway, they call him Jed, but it's Josiah. Okay. So sure. there are moments in the show where, honestly, you feel like this Democratic, uh, you know, administration is to the right of Trump, not not only to the right of Clinton or to the right of Obama. I'm telling you, there are things in here wow. that I'm shocked at. So I'm watching episode seven last night, and it's... Um, it's called, I think, the state dinner for those people who might be fans of the show. And one of the storylines is there's this militia deal going on in Montana, and there's hostages, and the FBI is trying to figure out what to do. So Mandy, who's the character by Moira Kelly, kind of offers some advice, and she she's advising the FBI, hey, don't do it here. You know, you need to be careful. We're, we're concerned. She's trying to advise, you know, the president to not get in trouble in the PR sense. But But listen to this. Soundbite and frame this juxtapose what I'm about to play you in terms of the last four. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Four years. Okay. We can just go back to four years ago pretty much this time or March for the most part. And it's not the best audio, so bear with it here, but you'll get what I'm saying here. I don't think it's unreasonably macho for the White House to be aggressive in preserving democracy. Let me tell you something. Ultimately, it is not the nuts that are the greatest threat to democracy. As history has shown us over and over and over again, the greatest threat to democracy is the unbridled power of the state over its citizens, which, by the way, that power is always unleashed in the name of preservation. So you can get huh? that she says the greatest threat to democracy is not the nuts, but rather the unbridled power power of the state over its citizens. So I, I'm listening to that last night. I'm like, wow. Now, I will say this for those people familiar with the show. The storyline doesn't go so well for Mandy after that. But I did think it was an important point that she made. And those moments, 
keep coming up over and over again. And wow. to me, the reason I bring it up, it's so stark the way that the Democrats, you know, this is kind of loosely based on James Carville and Paul Begale and all the things they did in the Clinton White House. And they're a little kooky and nutty and they say stupid things even to this day, but they're also not as crazy as Cori Bush and they're not as crazy right. as AOC and they're not as crazy as Joe Biden. Look, you got Axelrod and some of these guys that came of age in the Clinton administration. They think what this administration is doing right now is kind of crazy in, to a certain extent. Now, they're, they're Democrats. They're not Republicans, but still, it's rather stark. So let's kind of go to our friend Cori Bush, who's now in trouble with this investigation that she confirmed a couple of days ago. Uh, she is under investigation for perhaps misusing campaign funds on security. We know her former boyfriend, her husband, has been paid more than $100,000 over three years. I think it's important to say it's over three yeah. years. Now, you heard Tish yesterday on this show, the mayor of St. Louis, Deshara Jones, defending Corey Bush in a certain way, but also saying, and this was a little shocking to some people, I cannot support her for sure. I'm paraphrasing here. The question was, who are you going to support in the race for Congress in the primary? The incumbent, your friend Corey or Wesley Bell. And she kind of she danced around that. Yeah. Right. But she also said in defense of Corey Bush, well, you know, her husband has some experience in this area. He was in the military, blah, blah, blah. She goes on with Joy, Joy Reid last night, of course, on MSNBC. You're someone who has had a lot of threats. Obviously, yes. you're a very high profile Black Lives Matter activist turned Congresswoman, talk about some of the sort of atmospherics around you. Yeah. So prior to me entering Congress, I had had, you know, a lot of threats on my life. I had even had times where um, I was there were actual, you know, attempts made. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about what? that. And look, here's what I'd say about that. And, and I'm sure that there because I see it myself. I see the language. I see people hurling things at me that, you know, these anonymous people that have like 38 followers on Twitter. And it's disgusting what some people do. And I'm sure that she has sure. been as a public figure and certainly as a woman in African-American, maybe kind of the target of some of those things. But she also says things that cannot be proven. And I predicted two days ago, I said, look, there's no doubt that this is going to end up in the pulling of the race card. Now, I put the over under at six hours on Wednesday afternoon. Wait, what's today? Thursday, Tuesday yeah. afternoon. Put the over under at six hours. Sue, this is so representative of the terrible job that I do betting NFL football. I was wrong, but only because I picked the under, not because it didn't happen. Because if you pick the over... This is uh, Congressman Troy Nails of Texas. This is what he had to say about this situation, and you take a listen. She doesn't even support the police, but the idea to pay her thug money to try to help protect her this and that for what? Maybe if she wouldn't be so loud all the time, maybe she wouldn't be getting threats. Are you saying she deserves to be threatened? No, what I'm saying is, is that when you're out there talking the way she does, I, I'm surprised that people are probably pretty upset because she's a pretty radical. She's well, there's no doubt about pretty that. Pretty radical. Right? And maybe she should tone it down a little bit. I'll just let you respond. Absolutely ignorant, anti-black, racist, and sexist tropes um, by a sitting member of Congress who was a colleague. I have never even met this person. You know, I've never even talked to him. All right, so there you go. It's, it's always going to be about race, no matter what you say. In, mm. in those circumstances. So we have confirmation. If you did place a bet with MGM or Hollywood Casino, you can collect if you placed your bet on the over, which I did not. I'm telling you, it's just like my NFL betting. We're going to cover that a little bit more. I bet Jane has something to say about our friend Corey when she joins us in a little bit. We may even toss that out to Congressman Jason Smith, who's up next on 97.1 FM Talk. Lives a former talk show host. Everybody knows his name.
rush to come back. Although they're they're down a member since they were here. Sue just gave me this awful. I, am not I know a, that I know. is not my. You know, it's funny when I went to that. I went with a bunch of friends the last time. May have been the second to last time they were here before Neil Peart died, and it was like a guys' night thing, right? Yeah. Ninety-eight percent of people at that show were, were men. Yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah. Well, so I'm sorry, but I do like them as bumper music. Hey, Congressman it. Jason Smith is back with us this afternoon. He's the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. There was a big uh, child tax credit bill that passed yesterday. He was supposed to be with us, I think, yesterday, but got a little busy. Jason, how are you this afternoon? Doing good. Better today than yesterday, so I'm happy to be with you. Well, let's kind of walk through yesterday. It was a busy day. We were supposed to have you on, I think, yesterday, and things kind of got bogged down. So tell me about the um, the child tax credit in the background, because this, this is one of those scenarios where you're being criticized uh, from within a little bit on, on this deal. So I want to find out all about it. The thing about this bipartisan tax package is I'm getting criticized from the left and the right. When you have individuals like Cory Bush and and Matt Gates voting against a bill, <laughs> and they're only two of the 70 people, um, I think you're probably on the right path. And so what we do in this bill, I mean, just Mark, to be clear, this is a the most pro-growth, pro-worker, pro-American tax bill that you could find. It helps families, small businesses. It sharpens our competitive edge with China, and it boosts our innovation. What it does to the child tax credit, it, it increases the top line of the child tax credit um, to help families crushed by inflation. The child tax credit has been $2,000 a year under Trump's tax cuts from 2017 and has not changed since inflation's gone up more than 20%. We're indexing this for inflation moving forward, which just helps families moving forward. There's also a penalty with the child tax credit that if you, if a family has multiple children, they're penalized and we're eliminated that penalty. We, we were we should be pro-family, and that's in fact what we do. And then there's business provisions within this bill. There's three provisions of Trump's tax cuts that expired, research and development expensing, 100% expensing, and interest deductibility provisions. These are provisions that produce more than $400 billion of economic impact and investment and would create more than – more than 900,000 jobs and increase increase pay of more than $58 billion to the American worker. So it's a big win all around. When you have 84% of the House of Representatives support a bill in this kind of gridlock and division in Washington, D.C., I think it's a big success for the American people. But let's back up just a little bit and, and talk about, because I always feel like sometimes we talk past some of the listeners, and let's talk just specifically before I ask you some more questions about this, about the child tax credit and who qualifies for that and how that works. Like if we have um, if we have children, we are able this time of year when we go and do our taxes to deduct some of those children, depending on income levels, right? Exactly. Um, it's all based on income levels, but the child tax credit currently is $2,000 a year. And like I said, we're increasing it for indexing for inflation that it will continue to go up. Before the Trump tax cuts, the child tax credit was just $1,000 and he doubled it. The child tax credit was created in the 90s by the Republicans. It was doubled by President Trump to 2000 and we're trying to enhance it. But this this definitely helps um, helps working families. So the, uh, and you're, I'm sure you're aware of some of the criticism out there. The Wall Street Journal had a piece, Mr. Smith's lousy tax deal. Here's what Axios said this morning. GOP critics said key members were not consulted on negotiations. Some members learned of the deal on social media. 
Um, one quote is, I don't know who the F he's dealing with. How does Jason Smith announce the deal before the speaker knows about it? One quote, Jason negotiated with the Senate and the Dems. For some reason, Republicans weren't included in his negotiation. Now, those are anonymous people. I don't know what the truth is here, but that's some of the stuff that's out there right now. So how would you respond? No one on record has ever made those statements because those statements aren't true, Mark. And and the fact that this tax bill was created by steps that started more than a year ago. My very first committee hearing as Ways and Means Chairman was in Petersburg, West Virginia at a lumber yard. It was a state of America's economy. We heard from small businesses, working mothers, coal miners, farmers. We then went to a farm in Yukon, Oklahoma, heard from farmers and ranchers, oil and gas producers. We went to a factory in Peachtree City, Georgia, to hear from workers and small businesses. And what were their issues in today's economy? We created a tax bill bill in June of last year addressing all the concerns that came up at those three hearings outside of Washington, D.C., and that is what we've been negotiating for the last several months with my counterpart over the United States Senate to see what provisions can make it across both the House and the Senate, and to the president's desk that can deliver real reforms for small businesses and working families. And that's what this bill does. The Wall Street Journal may not like it because I'm more focused on Main Street, not Wall Street. I'm more focused on the prices at the supermarket than the prices in the stock market, and that may be why they don't like this bill. But guess what? 84% of my colleagues supported this legislation because it was delivering for everyday Americans, not the people trading on Wall Street. I think one of their criticisms was about some of the costs because they said, and again, you know, you know, I don't trust a lot of the media, even if it's the Wall Street Journal. I always kind of wonder some of the stuff that's being reported. They said one point five trillion over 10 years. And then this one, and I don't know, I'm going to ask you this. They say Mr. Smith's deal would let parents rely on the prior year income to trigger the credit for 24 and 25. So and this is something from the American Enterprise Institute. They say work one year, earn benefits for two. Is that false or true? The American Enterprise um, comment that was was led by one of their welfare panelists. Every AEI, American Enterprise tax economist, says that the provisions in this bill actually enhance the work requirement. So you can pick and choose in all of that. But I'll just say this with with the Wall Street Journal. Um, they didn't support President Trump's tax cuts in 2017. Yeah, so it took them a while to 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 be on board for that. And that President Trump's tax cuts led to the greatest economy in my lifetime. And it led to everyday Americans wages increased by five percent on average. Since Joe Biden's been in office, wages have decreased by more than three and a half percent. Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri is with us. He's the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. Let me ask you about a couple other different issues. So there was an actual vote yesterday to um, kind of focus on Hamas and not allowing terrorists into this country. There were only two people in the entire House of Representatives that voted against us, including our member from here in St. Louis, Cori Bush, Jason. That that's maybe it's not stunning at this point. No, it's so disappointing. She likes to vote no. She was one of the 70 people who voted against the tax bills. So um, she definitely loves no. Maybe she should say no to paying her security um well there is that there is that i don't know how closely you've looked at that but we're obviously very curious here is there an update at this point on the impeachment inquiry absolutely every day we're bringing in new people for depositions we have um 
President Joe Biden's brother coming in in just a couple weeks. We have Hunter Biden coming in the end of this month. We had Eric Schwerin in this week, one of um, his business associates. We're getting a lot of information, but um, there's a lot of leads that continue to lead us down different paths. But we're getting there. We're getting um, we're getting answers to a lot of questions that we've been needing for a while. Are you involved at all in, you know, the, the kind of parallel story there is the impeachment of Mayorkas, which I fully support. And I don't know, you know, the latest that you feel on, on this border situation. We've seen this build and build. We've seen it get worse and worse. We've seen this administration blame you guys for not, you know, doing something when it's utterly ridiculous. And there's some questions about what might be negotiated here on the border, you know, from the other chamber at this point, Jason, isn't there? There's a lot of negotiations, but Mark, let's just be real about it. In Biden's first 100 days in office, he took 94 different executive actions on immigration, including halting the construction of the border wall from reinstating catch and release to ending the remain in Mexico. These were successful provisions that secured the border. If he would if he would backtrack and reinstitute these programs, it would affect our border 70 to 80%, but he's not willing to do that. So um, the president has not been following a lot of the laws that he's supposed to in regards to immigration. That's why when you're discussing border policy, it's hard to imagine that the guy who could be fixing it himself right now and just enforcing current laws whether he would do it or not. Well, and you know, I, I gotta say this, and I, I saw more of this even today, and I don't like to make fun of someone because they're old, because, you know, we, we I have parents that are getting older right now, and they, they shouldn't be in the White House. I think they recognize that, but he he's looking even more and more unstable as every day goes by, Congressman. It, you know, you need to, this is what you see on TV. You need to see him in real life. Um, he definitely um, does not need to be the leader of the United States, and um, I'll look forward to him being replaced in November. Well, the polling on that is pretty interesting right now, and it's certainly falling in Trump's favor. And I think that they have certainly on the other side forgotten about working class people. And that border issue is huge for Republicans. So I hope that the party continues to seize on it. Jason, always great to have you on here. You have a great week, a great weekend. Keep in touch and we'll talk soon. You too, Mark. Take care. Congressman Jason Smith. Now, I will say, you know, he had his answers and his explanation for the tax deal. I'm not a particular fan of what I think was passed. And I say what I think just because it's so hard to dig into this stuff and know exactly what this is all about. But I mentioned the Wall Street Journal editorial and they were pretty, you know, harsh on Congressman Smith. And some of this, I think you heard him reference this, the uh, tax cuts that were passed when Trump was in the White House in 2017, they're starting to expire. Republicans are trying to revive some of the provisions. Now, this is where you get into um, corporate welfare, because a lot of these tax benefits come for corporations. So the accusation then would be that Jason Smith, as the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, is um, you know negotiating with Democrats and trying to get a deal for the business breaks in particular. Oh, now, you know, he just he said the opposite. If you listen to what he yep. said in the interview, that this is really for, for the taxpayers. But the price tag is what's concerning. The overall deal would cover um, last year twenty four and twenty five. Some of it goes retroactively, including for businesses. It would cost seventy eight billion dollars. The estimate in the um, the Wall Street Journal is one point five trillion over 10 years. And this is the line from this editorial that they wrote was a couple of weeks ago. They said, 
1.5 trillion cost over 10 years is so eye-popping that progressives are happy to let the GOP give them a down payment this year. The main Democratic policy goal is what's known as refundability. That's the share of the credit paid to those who don't owe taxes. It's the lever that makes the program another income transfer like cash welfare. And then the question becomes, are there work requirements? I will say this in retrospect. I think I screwed up a little bit. I meant to ask him about uh, migrants and, you know, oh. if they're covered on this, because I think that there's some questions about that. So this is by by no means a um, I, I don't think a, a really good deal just based on what I can interpret. And here's here's the other issue. I didn't want to get into the leadership things with him, but there are people and this is what concerns me. And he, he mentioned this. There are people anonymously saying this. So I want to see if someone on the record is going to say this. He won. I think I mentioned this yesterday. He's a McCarthy guy. He won that chairmanship. And there were people that didn't feel like Jason Smith had the uh, gravitas, if you will, to be the chair of this particular committee. Well, he won the battle. He, he only gets in there by a couple of votes. So now there's a prediction that maybe this chairmanship is um, is in jeopardy. Having said that, and Axios is reporting this and some other uh, sources, removing a, city chair, a sitting chairman in Washington for a committee like this just a year into a congressional term, it's very, very unusual. The last time it happened was in 2005. So I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but he does have some critics on this particular deal. He seems proud of it. I don't know what the uh, blowback is going to be politically. We'll have to see. 338, our friend Jane, who went national today. She was on the Brian Kilmeade radio show. How about that? We're going to figure out how all that happened. But we already had her schedule uh, to talk about some of the police issues, and I'm certain she's going to weigh in on our friend Corey Bush coming up next. So you might hear, do you hear that, all that noise? Yeah, what, the, what is that? Well, look behind you. You know where the studio door is? Yeah. They have to, they have to widen. <laughs> I, can you keep, they have to widen the studio door because Jane's head, after being on okay, Kill Me Show, they're fixing it for tomorrow. I was gonna laughing come in here. because yeah. I thought you meant Fred. Because, Jane, they're going to accommodate oh. you just because I know oh, that the ego yeah. has to be even bigger than it was. So we're going to make that entrance a little yeah. wider for the roundtable tomorrow. Nice. I, I start getting these text messages. Jane is on Kill Me. And I'm like, wait, what? Our Jane? So congratulations. Yeah, how, did that, how did that come about? Oh, I mean, no, I mean, I, I met them at the book signing. And I met his producer, and we were talking, and she asked about what I do. And I said I rep- represented police officers in St. Louis. And so we got to talking about that issue. And so I said, hey, if you ever need, you know, help or anybody to talk about policing, you know, by all means, you know, give me a buzz. Obviously, I love this. desperation. I love I'm a radio host. I get how desperate sometimes people get for guests. Oh, so Exactly. You know. No, you know, Sue, this is what I told her, and Jane knows this. What I said this morning was they'll have you back because, yeah. unfortunately, she's a really good guest, which is why she's on now. So that was pretty cool. I'm excited for you. I really am. It's awesome. Yeah. It was nice, though. It's nice to, to let people know what's really going on with, um, you know, policing and Cory Bush. Exactly. We got to talk about that. Well, let's start with that, okay? I'll get to some of the policing because I know there's some numbers that we want to go over here. But on, on Cory, and we'll, we'll spend, obviously, some time on this tomorrow on the roundtable. I played some of the audio. She was on with Joe Reed. She finally pulled the race card on all this. But how, how serious do you think this is right now? I mean, I think it's pretty serious in the sense that, you know, the Department of Justice doesn't mess around. They don't, like, send out subpoenas to your staff, and, and all of her staff left, so that should, you know, tell you something. Um, I mean, by the time they are letting subpoenas become public, they usually have everything they right, need. Right. I mean, so I, I just, 
look, they don't play. They don't like do all this and then say, oh, never mind. Um, so I, I would be worried. I don't know who's paying for her lawyers, but I hope she has lawyers because I think she's going to need them. And um, there must be something or they wouldn't be issuing subpoenas. So yep. I think we'll see. Um, so I would take it very seriously. And um, she should always tell the truth and be transparent. And, um, you know, I've heard a couple things that has to do with the with, you know, her husband getting paid security. Her latest report, though, converted from it being security to wages. So I don't know what why she decided to change what he is actually receiving. That's kind of usually a red flag. Um, but, um, yeah, and the other thing I've heard is that, you know, and it's been reported that there may be out of state or out of, you know, travel that could be problematic. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I believe it was you, Jane, that posted a picture of Tish and Corey. They're all down on a beach somewhere with the, uh, with the significance, right? Yeah. And I'm unable to find um, any travel um, that corresponds with both of them. So I'm, I'm huh. very curious as to paid for their trips. Well, again, we're going to talk much more about this on the roundtable tomorrow. Jane will be here. Jeff Rainford, Republican campaign consultant, Greg Keller as well. So, Jane, we've covered this before, and, and Sue is a city resident. The numbers are very stark. If you go to May of 2021, the number of police officers in the city was 1,208. Right now, we're well below that. Where are we? About under a, under 900 is the new total, right? No, actually, it's lower. It's Yeah, it's, you know— Yesterday, or the day before yesterday, the department came out and said there are 890 officers. Um, and then if you go to the state's website where you get post-certified officers at SLMPD, it's 882. So we've already had a number of departures in June. But but that doesn't even mean, you know, I, I know that in the story that was written about this, um, it, it's even worse for the number of officers that are actually on patrol and in the streets, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. And if you talk to my guys, they'll tell you, you know, in the 400s is, are the people who are actually dedicated to being on the street. So if you take three shifts a day, six police districts, I mean, they do get days off. So, I mean, when you start running those numbers, I mean, you, there's not many people on the street. And Sharon Caius today at the Board of Aldermen, she was talking about a proposal to get retired cops to come back and maybe do traffic. And she rightfully pointed out how times change. She rightfully pointed out that having police officers on the street is actually a deterrent. And that, huh. you know, and that, I know, I know. And that, that, you know, the, 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 the staffing crisis is actually that a crisis. So, I mean, this is a North side alderman who's like, I'm willing to try anything. Um, but then you have Tashara and the County executive going to East-West Gateway with their regional crime plan, and there's not anything in the crime plan about policing. Well, that should be a non-starter, right? The, the crime plan shouldn't even be looked at if there's nothing in it about additional policing. That, that's, it's Correct. totally ridiculous. And that's, and that's what Steve Ellman, the county executive in St. Charles, said. He said, I'm, I'm willing to look at your social program stuff, but you can't have just the carrot. you got to have the stick. And I'm not seeing any stick here. And so he, he's, he's trying to amend the plan, but he, he, he's not sure. And so that, to me, is what the scary part is. And then here's a couple other things you need to know. One, there are 271 officers eligible to retire. Oh. 
Okay. So, like, like at any moment or this year? You mean in 24? Is that any the number? Time. Okay. No, no, right. no. They're right eligible. Now, right yeah, they're now. eligible. They right. could all leave tomorrow. So that's a huge cliff. Then we have another problem is the city is very likely to lose the lawsuit about the earnings tax. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. And, and that could be close to $50 million a year. Okay, yeah, you know, we need to get so we need to get Mark Milton on because that thing's going to come up. Do you know the date yeah. they rescheduled that from the fall? That's going to come up here in February, right? Yeah. February 14th is being argued yeah. before the Court of Appeals, and they already lost in the circuit court. Right. Yeah, so they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And, and it's funny because Kansas City did it right. They budgeted for all of it, they re- refunded the money that needed to be refunded. You know, so they're, St. Louis is the only one that can't seem to get it together. Shocker. Well, I know. Well, so now we find out the first thing Megan Green says, the president of the board says, well, if we lose the lawsuit, the money's coming out of policing. What? And then she said that. Well, we have all this she Rams absolutely money. said it. Mm. Right. Oh, no, that, they're going to save that for a rainy day. I'm like, it's storming. Yes. We had 20, 20 homicides in January. Last year, there were only 11. So well, yeah, crime they, reduction isn't working. They pounced on all the crime is down, crime is down stuff before Christmas, right? right? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not so much. So are you telling me outside, let, let me just ask you about Sharon Tyus's program, you know, proposal to bring back other officers, et cetera. Is that even, does that have merit? Does it have any kind of chance or not? I mean, I don't know if the board's going to accept it. That's a really good question because it wasn't, it was not introduced by a progressive. So it may not get through. I don't know how many officers are willing to come back um, because they, you know, they can only come back part time because otherwise they would lose their pension. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know how many people will bite and, uh, you know, all hands need to be on deck. This isn't the way to do it. Let's be honest. Pay and recruit officers and yeah. don't treat them badly. I just don't understand. I mean, I, I guess I'm just naive. And I, I had this criticism of Lida when she was there as well as mayor. I, I don't understand why a mayor can't lead in the sense that there's no sense. You're the one that's communicating the right. police numbers to everyone, Jane. It's not the mayor. It's well, not her administration. Right. You're no. the one. So why, why is that? It is scary. I mean, for them to ignore well, they this don't want like people it's. people to know. Mm-hmm. They don't want people to know how bad it is. I mean, I was very, very disheartened. I spoke with the county executive in St. Charles and to tell him I certainly supported his view on this. And, you know, as reported, you know, the chief said there were 940 officers. I'm like, you've inflated the number by 50, like not an inconsequential mistake. I mean, so this idea that, I mean, this idea of misleading the public, I I just, I cannot abide by it. And I don't understand when we're using their own data. Yeah. Hey, B, on that front, let me ask you this, because I haven't gotten into this. We know that before Christmas, you had this thing where the two patrolmen, you know, I don't know what what exactly happened. They veer off the road. They hit the uh, the gay bar in South St. Louis. So now there's, that story has not even died yet, but there's this chatter that the city has sent something to them uh, about Mm -hmm. condemnation of the bill. What is that all about? Well, the building commissioner, the building office sent a, yeah, they sent him a letter saying your building is going to be condemned unless you do repairs in a certain amount of time, which they, you know, they send out these form letters. So rightfully so, the, the owners are, are went nuts. Everybody went nuts. And it's like, you got to pay the people. A city employee damaged their property, repair it. Yeah, right. So, so, they, so they threatened to condemn them. Well, there's an update because today... 
um, the building commissioner for the city went to the bar and apologized to the bar owners and the building owners, you know, and they said, okay, we're not going to condemn you. We're not going to do anything and we're going to work hard to, you know, get you, get you paid, which, well, yeah, but the incompetence will take over and these people will not be paid for years. But they're also complaining (laughs) that, you know, the, the, the post is still covering this story. Like it's like the biggest story of the year that there's not, um, the body cam is not being offered in that particular incident. Shouldn't it be? Yeah. And that's the other thing I don't understand. I mean, the St. Louis chief is the in the St. Louis is the only jurisdiction I know of that takes the position that body cam footage is off is off the table and it can never be produced. They've produced it in certain circumstances before, so I don't know where this interpretation came. It probably you know indicates that the, what the cops that happened happened, so that's probably why they're not. Yeah. You know what, Jane, we had the we had Mark Cox had the mayor or I'm sorry, the police chief on this morning. And he said he and Mark asked him the same thing. And he said, well, we're going to get it out in a couple of weeks. We are are reviewing it and, uh, you know, doing uh, he said he's trying to cross all the T's, dot all the I's. But in a few weeks, they will release it. So hopefully that will happen. Okay. well, one, they still haven't released the body cam footage from the um, the school shooting. That's what the one they were talking about. So so that's how old it is. And they still haven't released that. So God knows how long it'll be before this gets released. You know, being transparent, right? If we're going to talk about transparency, uh, you would think that that would be transparent. Right. Exactly. Well, and you would think that the police officers would have issues with releasing body cam. They don't. Because the bottom line is body cam vindicates cops a heck of a lot more than it doesn't. Well, yeah. and, and so, in, the, yeah. in the case of the cops running into the building, I think that's the question. Will it vindicate them? Was it just an accident? But we'll see. Hey, we got stuff to talk about tomorrow afternoon. We'll see you on the round table. We do. All right, take care. All right, guys. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.